Something a little bit different from us on Claret Blue today as we're going to play a game and chat through some Aston Villa nostalgia. This is Aston Villa squad battles. Let me explain the rules. You must build an Aston Villa 11 using 11 players with 11 different nationalities. Each player will take turns to reveal their picks in a draft style format. Should your opponent pick a player that you'd planned on using in your side, that means you can no longer use that player and you have to think of somebody fresh. Viewers of this video and those listening on the podcast feed will be able to judge the best side at the end of the show and you can get involved in the comments or on social media and let us know who won this particular battle. Right, Matt, thanks for joining me. I've just gone through the rules there. Do you understand it? Do you know what we're doing? Yeah, it's simple. What could possibly go wrong? We're going to try and build the best Aston Villa 11 possible and go kind of head to head. The viewers will then pick who had the best side, me or you. As you're kind of the guest here, I've come to you with this challenge. I'll allow you to pick one of your players first. And as I said in the intro, the format is if whoever you pick, if they're in my team as well, that means I can't have them and I'll have to make adjustments on the fly. That's kind of, you know, we're thinking on our feet here. The first player, Matt, in your ultimate Aston Villa 11 with 11 different nationalities, who are you going for? Oh, let me have a little look. Go on, I'll go for Christian Benteke, the Belgian. Okay. He, oh no, he's not in my side. Wow. So in my first draft of him, he was like, oh, I've seen him loads. I really like him. He's going in mine, Belgium, bit of a niche country. Uh, so he was going to originally be in mine, but I changed it last minute. So luckily I get away with one there. He's so good though, isn't he, Benteke? And when me and John did the video oh, a few months ago now, we did like, the ultimate Premier League 11. The remit for that was kind of like, we've had to have seen them play. The reason we're doing this video uh, and changing it up a little bit is because you get the same old names crop up, don't you, a little bit. And Benteke is one of those and he's here now anyway. But yeah, such a brilliant striker, wasn't he, Benteke? I've had to introduce a few people who weren't just known in black and white as well, because I know I'm the kind of old man of the show, but I, I thought I'd better try and be a little bit current. So I thought he was the one. I thought you'd have him, to be honest. So I thought I'd, in I thought my first I'd draft, he was there. Yeah, for for people of of your generation and younger, he's probably the closest thing you've had to a proper kind of bona fide hero. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, bona fide is that word? Is it just bona fide? No, I, I always said bona fide. Yeah, but I've heard you said bona fide before. Sounds like a good player. Sounds like he'd be a good player to go into this uh, list, doesn't he? Bona fide. It's interesting you mentioned about like making it a little bit more current rather than players that were in black and white. A lot of players up until like maybe the 90s, predominantly English, Scottish and, and Irish, weren't they? Or even in the 90s as well. It's not until we get into like O'Neill and onwards that you've kind of got these uh, different nationalities crop up there. Like, for example, Brazilians playing for the first time. Like, was Wesley like the first Brazilian or something? So, you know, diff- these different nations have only cropped up in the last what, five years or so. I'll go one of my picks then. I'm going to the total opposite end of the pitch and a current player. I'm going Emmy Martinez in goal. Unbelievable goalkeeper. The best I've seen in my lifetime supporting. I imagine Bosnich would be a, a very easy pick as well, given Australian is, is a niche country as well. Martinez is so, so good. We spoke about him on a recent episode, well, recent as we record this at least anyway, about where he ranks in the Premier League as one of the best goalkeepers. Where would you have him? You know, he's got to, got to be up there. I mean, I think the thing that that's sweetens the deal for Martinez with me He's just, I like characters as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. a lot of footballers now are just so almost identical, I think, in a way. In the, and I, I understand it because, you know, it's the, the live live their life in the media glare. But I just love the fact that he's got this uh, real kind of air of mischief about him. But yeah, I think he's got to be, got to be in the, in the top, top three goalkeepers in the Premier League. I don't have to, do I, I have to tell you whether I've got him or haven't got him? 
But I don't well, have if, to give you. Do I don't have to give you another kind of Argentine, or I don't have to give you another goalkeeper? No, 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 no. If if Martinez was your goalkeeper, you now could not have him because I've kind of stolen him. Yeah. The two 11s at the end will be twenty-two players, but it, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be another Argentinian, and you don't have to give me your goalkeeper in return. You can go on your kind of like second most important player next. It's all going quite straightforward so far because I I didn't have um I didn't have Martinez, so you, okay. you you're welcome to him, Dan. Um, okay, thank you. Taken. <laughs> I thought we need to create some more friction here. We're all being we're, we're kind of polite and giving at the moment. I'm not sure that these are in order of of importance because it's a team game for me. I don't build this around individuals. This is about a team that's going to be a league of nations. So I'm going to throw my next one in. But whether he's any more important than my fifth or, or seventh mm. seventh pick, I don't know. But. I'm going to go Ireland because I'm not going to let you not not going to let you steal him off me. It's got to be Uar Paul McGrath. Um, he's got to be in there. I want to I want to claim him before anybody else does. Has that created the tension that we were missing? <laughs> that has created a tension that we were missing. That he was in my side. Now, if people maybe are not following along with the rules early on in this episode. I had McGraw in my team, in my draft. I now cannot have him because you've kind of stole him. There's only one version of Paul McGraw. We can't both have him. The easy thing for me to do now would be to pick another Irish centre-back to save a headache. But if I didn't want to do that, I could pick an English centre-back. But if my English player is a striker, that creates a headache elsewhere. So, yes, there is friction now because I've got to do some homework on the fly to replace McGraw in my side. I wasn't lucky enough to see McGraw play. He was before my time. But people, and we've spoken about it before, people say not only is he one of Villa's best defenders ever, he's one of Villa's best players ever. Just talk to me while I scrub him out of my team about how good he was. It's funny, you know, because uh, I saw on, I think it must have been on his Instagram the other week that he just had a knee operation. Um, mm. And anybody who knows the story of Paul McGraw know, knows that his knees have been kind of a knackered for, for, for many years. And <laughs> I'm not sure what it would look like, but if Villa ever do revamp the North Stand and start put a museum in there, then a little bit of gristle or a little bit of cartilage <laughs> or, or whatever it is from uh, from Paul McGraw's <laughs> godlike knee, kneecaps should, should be in there. But you can trawl back through the podcast to see us eulogising about mm. Paul McGraw but he was, I don't know, just seemed to glide across the pitch, had, had a, a real instinct for danger and how to, probably the most unhurried, unfussed, but resolute defending that you've that you've ever seen. And he gets extra kind of magic or, or mystique around the fact that we know that he got his demons with, with alcoholism. We know that he was written off effectively by... Um, by Alex Ferguson at, at Manchester United, so it's almost this: how he, not only was he rescued from the from the scrap heap, but by doing so, he kind of rescued Villa as well. At the time, it was almost like the, the ourselves and Paul McGrath were re, rejuvenated at, at the same time. I probably wouldn't fight you for many of the players um, that we're gonna that we're gonna include in these teams, but I definitely would fight you for that one. And I'm glad glad that I've got him. Yeah, I'm not going to go with my McGrath replacement just yet, although I probably am going to stick with somebody Irish to make it easier for myself. We're only two picks in here, and I don't want to readjust the rest of the side. Having said that, I'm going to go with the centre-half because I want to get one of mine in because I'm, well, I won't spoil it, but I've got a couple of them in there. I'm going to go Olaf Melberg in my side. Swedish, of course. One of my first heroes again. We mentioned Benteke earlier. He was in like the, the second phase of my time supporting Villa, really. It was the O'Neill era first with the likes of Larson, Ashley Young, Melberg and those kind of players. And then Benteke is kind of a hero and an icon came after that. 
I love Melbourne. I, I always, I never played football properly in terms of like a kids team or anything, but even like on the school, um, on school pitches and stuff, I always loved playing centre half and just heading balls away in my big fat head. So Melbourne was the one originally where it was like, oh, I absolutely love him having the beard, the kind of Viking look and everything that came with that. I'll take Olaf Melberg in my side. Does that crop up anything for you or not? Just you heading balls like Olaf Morberg, that starts to explain why your, your hairline's heading heading my way at such a young age, mate, to be honest. So uh, <laughs> that, right, that, fair enough. That's, that's one mystery solved. You've stitched me there. I wasn't going to play. Right. I mean, fair play. To, well, I don't know. It'd be interesting to ask Olaf Morberg what position he preferred to play in because I was going to stick him as a, as a right back. But... You know, I know we've tried through his agent and friend Martin Larson to try and get him on the on the podcast, Melba. <laughs> He's not interested. Uh, I don't know what that was. That was Arnie. Yeah, for for all the reasons you say, I think I've shared this this before. But he was the first person, the first current Villa player, not that he's current now, but he was at the time that I interviewed at Bodymore Heath. Uh, and it okay. was the day where my childhood ambition of becoming a Villa reporter, if you like. I was working as a freelancer, got to interview Olaf Melberg and just got lost in his lovely eyes. Bit of a man crush going on there. God, I'm trying, I've just sliced my, you know that thing that I broke, that mug? I just sliced my finger. Why are you playing with it? Nervous. <laughs> or, have I rattled you? It's just all going wrong, isn't it? Are you all right, by the way? Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to bleed to death, I don't think. Okay, oh, good. Uh, I mean, you dug out my hairline, so yeah, bleed to death. Why not? <laughs> Um, that tension that I wanted (laughs) you started it you mentioned it being a bit of a span in the works that you were going to play him at right back what does that mean for your side now I've made the provision of putting a couple of um, a couple of couple of options in there I'm not going to go with my right back yet I'm going to I'm going to go with my left back actually I'm going to claim um, Wilfred Boomer I don't want to go for all the left backs because you haven't haven't named named yours yet but my other alternatives one was Irish well, I'll uh, jump in there. I'm not. I haven't got a left back. I'm playing three at the back. Anyone you you say is not going to be spoiled in my side. Oh, that's okay then. It was going to be. I probably got Steve Staunton would have been would have mm. been bubbling under to try and go super current, even though he's only played a handful of games. Moreno, I think, is a as an exciting Spaniard would have been in there. But Boomer was just part of until now the probably the, the strongest era that we got really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Boomer was was of a, of the, the time when we were you know trying to challenge and do good things under O'Neill. Um, it was unfortunate when he when he when he had to leave us, and he got a little bit of um, a little bit of any, everything. You know, he's a good footballer, a good competitor, um, got a nice kind of cheeky manner about him as well. Um, mm. I don't know in terms terms of Dutch players. I don't know if we have we El been Garza? well stocked. Can't think of many others though. We've got Ron Villar, haven't we? Who, who for a while, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he did good things for Holland on on the world stage at the time when he was with us, but never really mm. kind of lived up to the old concrete billing. But um, yeah, so so Boomer would be my um, my left back Netherlands pick. I'm going to move further into my defence then because this was the the part that I found there were fewer options. I think there's more options going forward to, to vary up with the nationalities when you're talking about building a strong side, at least anyway. So again, another pretty obvious pick and someone that I've spoken about a lot before, somebody that we've had on the podcast, Martin Larson takes a, a spot in my defence alongside Olaf Melberg. They will be pay, playing in the back three once I work out what I'm doing with the absentee of Paul McGrath. That would have been some back three I'd, I'd have built there until you came along and spoiled my plans. He was good value though, wasn't he? It's one of those kind yeah. of... I got, got to meet him a, a, a couple of times and interview him when he, was a, when he was at the club. Always very, very polite, very mild-mannered, but very, you know, 
Scandinavian focused, shall I say, if that's not too much of an easy stereotype. But I think he was one of the the first or perhaps even the first that we did during lockdown. Mm. He was the loveliest fella in the world, gave us all the time in the world. I like that. I like the fact when you, you've seen somebody perform on the pitch and become a hero, but then you scratch beneath the surface and they're actually a thoroughly good bloke as well. So um, having said all that, Dan, I didn't put him in because I'm not going to come to my other centre-half yet, but I did have another centre-half in there instead of him. So we've both got three players then. To recap, I've got Martinez, Olof, Melberg and Larsen, Argentina, Sweden and Denmark. Uh, you've got Wilfried Boomer, Paul McGrath, and Christian Benteke, Netherlands, Ireland, and Belgium. I'm going to go for my, my other striker because I want to. I want to bagsy him as well. Uh, I don't think this will surprise you. I'm going to go for Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago's most famous son, other than his mate, the cricketer um, Brian Lara, <laughs> um, Dwight York. I thought you'd go for him, which is why I didn't, because I thought it'd be a waste of a pick for me to even talk about him. I didn't see him play. I know all about him through you and, and many others. Special footballer, wasn't he, Yorker? He really was. And, you know, it's the cliche of playing with a smile on his face, but he just kind of had this confidence that was honed by playing football through the sheer love and joy of it, I think, uh, kind of in back home in the in in the Caribbean. My only thing I ever say about him, just about the, in kind of balancing the ball on his head down, I was thinking about... <laughs> It's the other day. You know, we talk sometimes, a bit of a segue, you know, we talk sometimes about the half-time entertainment. Just get Yorkie back on and just get him to kind of walk the length of the picture with the ball on his head. Him leaving when he did, when we thought we were on the on the verge of, of becoming something, if you like. Very kind of Jack Grealish for, for, for a previous generation. Yeah. He was a bit like Jack then going and winning the treble and being laden with trophies. Dwight York did the same, so kind of vindicated, vindicated in a way. But it goes back to my kind of better to have loved and to have lost than never to have loved at all. And um, mm. loved watching Dwight York. Really, really loved it. And it was at the time where I was standing and had a season ticket in the front row of the whole end. Didn't really have a great perspective of the pitch. But when Villa scored down the whole end, you felt like you were properly part of it in terms mm. of the celebrations unfolding. Back then, Villa was scoring some really impressive goals down the whole end and Dwight York was either the architect or the, the finisher of a lot of them. I'm just looking through the rest of my side now. I feel like there might not be too many clashes here. I, I feel like I've picked a couple of players that you wouldn't even have considered. Somebody that you might have considered, um, but possibly not given that he plays for a country that we have so many to pick from. I'll go with England's Jack Grealish, seeing as you've just mentioned him, playing the number 10 role in mine. He was out wide to begin with until I changed things up. Said a million things about Jack Grealish over the years and some of that some fans will be tainted by the way that he left. Now he plays for Man City and he's not the same player for Man City. The, the exciting talent that he was for us. Again, in my short experience of, or relatively short experience of watching the uh, Aston Villa, never won a trophy in, in my lifetime. Grealish is one of, if not the most talented footballer that I've seen. So it has to be, if I'm building at a best 11, he has to be in there. Well, yeah, you you can you can bag see him, but I, I actually... Spent, I was going to say, spent the night with him. That sounds a bit, bit, bit bad. <laughs> I, I was actually name drop alert. I was actually in his box at Manchester City a couple yeah, of weeks. Clang. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, and he was there because he was injured. He was there too. So there's me, him, and his dad. That was a wild night, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Yeah, I drank. I was the only one drinking. He was great to watch, wasn't he? You know, I don't think in all the years I've, I've been watching Aston Villa and what would that be now? Probably fifteen years. Christ, Close to close to forty. <laughs> Jesus Christ! In all those years, I don't think I've ever seen Villa become a one-man team to the extent mm. they were with Jack, and that that is harsh. 
on the people who surround, who played alongside him. Of course, of course, they weren't a one-man team, but in terms of looking to one person for yeah. the owner to, to go to lead you, to kind of set the tempo, to set the tone, I don't think I've seen anybody do that quite the way that Jack Grealish did that in terms of sweeping Villa up through the championship during that wonderful, remarkable winning, winning run. And then carrying that on to a certain extent as Villa survived and consolidated in the Premier League and to do it in such a kind of one-off, unique, throwback kind of way. So, yeah, I'll let, I'll, let, I'll let you have him. I'm glad that he's made it into one of our teams. I'm pretty pleased with the Englishman that I've chosen. Listen, I don't want to, I don't want to create any spoilers, but just if, you, if you're a big fan of Danny Drinkwater, just, just, just <laughs> stay tuned. Are there any current Aston Villa players? In your eleven, I don't want to give too much away because I don't want you to stitch me up by putting yours in next. But okay, yeah, yeah. if if I'm lucky enough to to get them through, then yes, there's a couple. Okay, all right, it's over to you, so you can go wherever you please. I might do that now, so I don't get stitched up. This is very much kind of um, honeymoon period territory because he's only been with us a few weeks. But I'm going to put um, Diaby in there. As our Frenchman, as that you, you look like you're a. <laughs> oh, I said earlier I didn't think you'd have considered anybody from who even plays for us at the moment. Never mind somebody as recent as him. Diaby was in my side as well as a striker. He looks to be a very good player, and I'll let you talk about him in a second. Um, so I thought it'd be slightly different to go with someone like him rather than a more obvious name. The names that we always talk about. Yeah. I've had McGrath and Diaby taken away from me now, and that gives me headaches. Well, I think the thing with Diaby is he's he's fresh enough that the impact that he's made in the first month or so of the season, he's become a fan's favourite and he hasn't done he hasn't had a chance for us to lose interest anymore for his, his start <laughs> to, to wane since then. Me and my son were driving back from a caravan holiday in Wales. I, listen, I know. First Jack Grealish's executive box, then a caravan holiday in Wales. I know. We're driving back for the Hibs second leg the other the other day, um, through the country country lanes, winding our way back from kind of mid Wales. Well, the other day, the other month, and we were just belting it out at the top of our voices. So I've got, a, I've got an affection for the player. I've got an affection for the for the song, and I'm quite pleased that actually, because you 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 cranked up the fighting talk earlier. I'm quite pleased that I've nicked <laughs> another one off you. That's actually really annoying. I'm googling now French Aston Villa players, see if I can get an easy swap. It's Frederick Gilbert, Morgan Sanson. Who do I get in there? Honestly, that's that's really throwing a spanner in the works because it's with McGrath. I can think of maybe a straight swap there. He was one of like my different strikers to go with, and it, it, I can't just replace him with another Frenchman because we haven't had that many good French players off the top of my head, at least anyway, that are not in positions that I've already spoken about. So yeah, I'm gonna have to change that a little bit. I'm getting nervous about my team now that I need to get some names in before you steal them. So yours can be a five-a-side team if you want. We're gonna beat you if it's eleven versus eleven. We're gonna smash you anyway, so we might as well <laughs> smash you with, with just five. You mentioned that there's possibly a couple of current players, so I'm gonna get in here. <laughs> <laughs> Just try and steal another, possibly. Douglas Louise oh, you is, my, is one, of my, one of my three central midfielders. Brazilian, obviously. I mentioned earlier that Villa haven't had a Brazilian until pre- you know pretty recently. And I think it's fair to say he's our best Brazilian that's ever played for us. An unbelievably gifted footballer who's only got better and will get better over the coming years, hopefully, with Aston Villa. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty... Uh, Pretty comfortable having him in my side, especially knowing that he would have been in yours. Yeah, I'm a little bit gutted that you got got to him ahead of me, really, because um, I think you're right in saying that he is our greatest ever Brazilian, even though little, little Phil threatened for a while, mm. didn't he? And uh, Wesley threatened for during that goal 
against Everton during a, a, a vibrant Villa Park. Been patient with him, but he's become a real integral part of the team now. So you've you've given me a headache there because he was I did have him I did have him in in my lineup. Um, and as we just said, with so few Brazilians, it's not as easy to just go. Oh, I'll just put another Brazilian in there and make it easy for myself. You've now got to find a different player of a different nationality. This is this is the game. This is the fun of the fun of it. You know, I don't find it fun. I find it a headache that I could I could well do without actually Daniel. Um, but in terms of, uh, I am going to stick with midfield though. Actually, let's go with let's go with my. Um, no, no, let's let let's go with. Look at him, he's on the ropes. He doesn't know where to go. Oh no, yeah, I've got no. I've got. I did have a. I did have a reserve midfielder, but I don't know whether it's a. It's disrespect to him to have had him as the reserve. I'll say it anyway. I've got Thomas Hitzelsberger in there. Okay. Is he one of yours? Yeah, he was one of mine. Again, I thought that would be slightly different. I had a look just before we came on, and he's only played 99 games, scored eight goals, and off the top of my head, I just assumed it would have been more than that because they all seem to do the round so often because they're yeah. all so good. He was just on the edge of my time of starting to go properly, so I didn't really see him play too much. But I thought, you know, there's not many players actually who have a nickname after them. Uh, you know, obviously, De Hammer for him. You know, as good as some of the players we've had through history, not many of them. Not many of them have got their own nickname. So, I thought I was being a little bit different there to get hits in in, in central midfield. Really disappointing. That is. Yeah, I mean, you started it, didn't you? You know, you shouldn't have took. You could have had him if you'd have, you wouldn't have taken Douglas Louise off me. Like, like you say, you probably expect that he was scoring goals every week, but because of the goals that he scored were bangers, you've probably seen them. You, you see more, those yeah. played. You know, you, we've had more prolific midfielders, Ian Taylor. You know, mm-hmm. James Milner in, in, in more, I say, recent but recent years. But because of Hitzelsberger's, most of them were screamers with uh, hit ferociously. You, you do see a lot of it. But I just kind of, again, I, I, I like him as a guy as well. Just the fact that he has been so kind of open about who he is. Um, I think he's become a real ambassador. It's a, it's a shame that he wasn't able to do that. Yeah, as a as a footballer, I had to wait until he till he retired. But I just, yeah, I think it's again as well as having good footballers, you you, you like to have good people as well. So mm. he makes it. He makes it. I mean, I'm saying all these nice things about him, but he might not have even got in the team if it wasn't for Douglas Louise. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I'm glad I've nicked him as well. I'm uh, getting to a territory of struggling a little bit here, so I've got a couple of players that I need to replace because they've been stolen. I've three, in fact, that I need to replace. So I'm going to get the players that I've not had stolen yet in the side and then worry about the headaches afterwards. So one of my midfielders, I'm going with Stan Petrov. Some of the things that you've said there about Hitzelsberger, you know, kind of off the pitch matters a little bit. Some of that applies similarly to Petrov because of his character and what he went through and what a nice bloke he is and all those kind of things that we say about Petrov. I, I, I like Petrov and again, Bulgaria, isn't it? So slightly different. So I've got Louise and Petrov as part of a midfield three. Petrov can sit a little bit. Uh, Douglas Lewis can pull the strings. I would have had hits in there as a, a midfield three. So I've got to change things around. But I think Petrov is is a decent shout, I think. He is a decent shout. <laughs> is he? Good. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. <laughs> You've left me. I've, I've, I've been taking kind of real joy in the fact that you're going to struggle and you're just going to have to frantically throw, you know, just stick a stick a pin in a map and throw things in. But <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't factored on losing... Two of my midfielders, so I'm I'm a bit stitched up there. That's um, the thing. This this concept so far is working well, and I, I've not said it yet, but I'd be interested to see what people watching 
think they're the best kind of world 11 is. You can get involved in the comments with those. Obviously, you haven't got a pesky bald man nicking your options away from you. So uh, give us your best 11s in the comments below. Um, yeah, I've got what? I've got six players confirmed in my team now and three that have been nicked and I need to adjust. And I will get to those last, I think. Um, you've also got six. So do you want to go with your seventh? So, so I've got a front three, I suppose you'd say, of Diaby, Benteke and York. How many midfielders have I named? You've, you've got hits. And you've got McGrath and Boomer. Ooh, blimey. I'll go for my goalkeeper then, um, which is Mark Bosnich, which I thought so. Probably have guessed. And a lot of the things that we said for for Martinez in terms of this kind of larger than life personality, but also a brilliant, a brilliant goalkeeper. I mean, pretty much, I think you can get goalkeepers, can't you? A kind of almost have one thing that they're renowned for, whether it's shot stopping, whether it's command of the box, whether it's distribution, whether it's communication. I think Martinez and 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 Bosnich are similar in the fact that they excel lots of different aspects of goalkeeping. You've not got that many trophy winning goal. Have you got any trophy would he be the only non English trophy winning goalkeeper at Aston Villa? Probably, yeah. Non-British, I would say almost certainly, yes. Yeah, unless I'm going to research the ancestry of whoever won the FA Cup in, you know, <laughs> 1893 or whatever it is. And then uh, I think Bosnich, Bosnich qualifies for a variety of reasons. So, um, yeah, Whew. every time I'm getting a player in there now, I'm just kind of breathing a sigh of relief because it's one less. One well, less I'd already pick my goalkeeper and not first in, so I was never going to be stealing Bosnich. I've, I've, you've got your forward line sorted now, so I'm, I'm pretty comfortable to keep him in reserve because I might swap him someone else of his nationality. But I'm going to try and work out how I'm replacing Hitzelsberger now. I had a list of a few midfielders that I considered. And again, it was varying on how many players I already had from that nation. And I was wary of having too many current players. But because we are, I mean, I'm making these adjustments on the fly, live, so to speak, I don't want to be here Googling for ages for somebody better. That's no disrespect on the player I'm about to pick. I'm going to go with Boubacar Kamara in midfield as a Frenchman to replace my current would-be Frenchman in DRB from earlier. And because we're building an 11 that's going to work together as a team, Louise and Kamara we know work well as a partnership in midfield. That little clip from the Chelsea game of them two combining and Louise dancing around 200 million's worth of talent in the Chelsea midfield was uh, was lovely. Kamara's had a few games that have been hit hit and misses over over the last year or so, uh, but on his day, he's a very good footballer. Uh, on a free transfer, still a lot of time to grow and develop under Emery. So I'll have Louise, Petrov, and Kamara as a midfield, which is possibly slightly more defensive than I'd like. But considering I'm playing a three at the back with no proper wing backs, I probably need that. They might need to be defensive, given that the midfield options I'm left with now are all going to be super, super attacking and have probably true, never yeah. played properly midfield in their life. Unless I go for Mustafa Salafu, I think I'm going to have to start <laughs> loading in some kind of... Carlos creative... Sanchez? No, I'd, I'd rather back my... My my creative player is going to be of such quality that right, they okay. could even play defensive roles better than okay. the, kind of, the other also runs. You stole Olaf Melberg away from me. He was going to play at right back. So... Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Welsh and I'm going to stick Mark Delaney at right back. And that's probably the story of signing from the lower leagues in bringing that hunger and desire and become taking that into the Premier League in becoming a mainstay for quite a, you know, for, for a, a number of years. Just loved watching him because he, he played with that real competitive streak. You know, he, he loved to tackle, obviously went on 
to stay stay at Villa had a big influence on 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 the the academy until a, until a few years ago. So I feel like he's a proper Villa man hmm. in there as well. Uh, and obviously, he would have signed at a time. Kind of I think I think John Gregory signed him if I'm if I remember rightly. So he would have signed at a time when Villa were, were trying to compete as well. So I'd associate him with fond memories. Yeah, and for the game that we're playing here, that feels like a very kind of smart pick to have somebody who's a decent right back. You know, we're not blessed, are we, in the full back positions? And when we build these like best 11s, we often have three centre halves or Olaf Melbo playing right back because we've, we've not been blessed. Mark Delaney is probably the obvious right back pick if you've got to pick an actual right back and he doesn't use up, for want of a lesser word, a better nation. Like if he was English, you wouldn't want to use Delaney because you'd think of better Englishmen. So to get him in there as a Welshman, is a smart pick, so I'll give you that one. In my side, then, I've got to replace Moussa Diaby and Paul McGrath. I can't use another Frenchman to replace Diaby because I've now got Kamara, so I need an entirely new centre-forward. For McGrath, I could obviously pick another Irish centre-half or, again, a, a totally different nationality. But that's too much to think about at the moment, so I'm going to pick Andy Gray. Didn't see him play. Uh, my knowledge of Andy Gray comes through you, my dad, and Jamie Gray on Twitter, who's a very good follow, by the way, for opinions on Aston Villa, uh, the son of Andy. We've had him on the podcast, of course, and he was brilliant on that. When we do these like best 11s, it's often Premier League era. So Andy Gray doesn't get a mention. Brian Little doesn't get a mention. And they had this great relationship, didn't they? So Andy Gray's in there, obviously Scottish, a great centre forward. Um, he would have worked great with Moussa Diaby, I felt, in the, in the preparation for this. Uh, when I was kind of um, going through my team on how I replace Hitzelsberger, my other option was John McGinn. Uh, again, value for money, very good player for us. A good, another current midfielder to play alongside Douglas Luiz, the reason I picked Kamara, but then that would have meant switching Andy Gray as well. So I'll stick with Andy Gray and he'll, he'll play up front with somebody when I've thought about it more in a few minutes. Yeah, it's interesting sticking on the um, on the Scottish theme now. You've almost kind of sowed some seeds with me. Do I, do I claim again and stick him in there? But I'd have to rejig another that's, position. That's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Right, let's get my defence sorted first. I'm going to go for a, a Scotsman in Ken McNaught. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. I probably picked him because I could have gone, if, you, if, if you'd have had him, I could have gone Alan Evans anyway. So I was hedging my bets a little bit. But um, I never had the pleasure. It's strange this. It's strange that, that this is the kind of path that my career has taken me on in terms of being a Mad Villa fan, but then also being lucky enough to cover the club and report on the club and, and that kind of thing. So I've never seen Ken, Ken McNaught play in my life, but he actually became kind of, I wouldn't say a close friend because we don't stay in touch particularly much nowadays, but he used to do a lot of kind of summarising for Villa TV mm. with Jack Woodward and stuff. So we'd travel sometimes to games and right, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Rob Bishop's carpool and and, and the, that that kind of thing. I find it fascinating when you've got warriors on the pitch who are the loveliest kind of most mm. gentle people off it really. And, and from all the stories that I hear of, of Ken McNaught being being so brave and so strong, and you know, it's, it's a stereotype, but typical kind of brave heart kind of Scottish influence. Um, and then to find this kind of mild mannered guy who was just a, a, a lovely fella. And I think it was important for me for this team to have somebody representing our greatest ever, Villa yeah. team. You're a little bit limited, aren't you? You're talking Scotsman. An Englishman or a Scotsman, pretty much. Or, or Englishman. I think there's always been a Scottish tradition that's run through. 
run through Aston Villa as well, dating back to, to William McGregor and stuff. So it was mm. important to get a Scotsman in there. And if you're going to get one in there, why don't you get one who's lifted the, the greatest prize for us? And yeah. like one who, from on a personal level, I've got a, a kind of a lot of affection for as well. So, um, yeah, it weakens my midfield by not being able to parachute John McGinn in there. But I think it, it, it strengthens the, the spine and the back of my Yeah, team. nice. Um, yeah, I think nicely done. It's a nice narrative around it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's brought out an anecdote and a story. And that's what part of this podcast was going to be. We, we, rather than just picking 22 players and moving on, there's little talking points for each one. So that's, uh, yeah, really nice. For mine then, like I said, I've now got to replace DRB and McGrath. And I've been trying to think then. I've been Googling Aston Villa centre-backs while you were talking. Um, I have something in my mind, but I thought, let me just have a look and see if anyone jumps out of the page. So I've got... I've got a, I've got two forwards in mind. One of them I've seen play, and one of them I haven't. And I've got two centre halves in mind who I've both seen play. Now, you know the centre halves that I'm about to mention are never going to win awards for being the best Villa centre back ever. But that's not that isn't the point of this uh, discussion. It's between a Norwegian and a Welshman for my forward, or picking the easy option of an Irishman at centre half, or switching up a little bit. I'm going to go with the players that I've seen and replace McGrath with James Chester as my Welshman. Not the best centre-back you'll ever see play for Aston Villa. You know, if we're talking about a Hall of Fame, is he the best uh, defender that's played for us? No. His time at Villa came in the second tier, which is not a time we want to kind of look back on with fond memories. One of the few shining lights of a bad era for Villa, I guess, a kind of a Rolls-Royce of a centre-half to coin the, the old cliche. Another cliche that he put his body on the line for us at a time when, you know, effectively kind of killed his career off by playing through the pain barrier for us, but at a time where we really needed him and all round seemingly a really nice bloke as well. So I'll replace McGrath with a Welshman and go James Chester and that rules out me the possibility of sticking Dean Saunders in up front who would have been a Welshman option, but I didn't see Dino play, so that feels a little bit weird to have two strikes that I didn't watch but Saunders probably deserves a bit of recognition. Interesting one, Chester, really, because a lot of, lot of love and affection for him. And I know he was involved in the trophy lift for us winning the uh, yeah yeah, yeah. us winning the playoff final. But again, it's a bit like when I was talking about Benteke being the, the silver lining in a really bleak period, hovering around the lower lower end of the Premier League with with um, Paul Lambert. Chester was one of those, wasn't he? There was a few little, you know, when we struggled to, to get out of the, the championship as, as fast as we thought, there was mm. still bits like. Chester, we saw bits of Jonathan Codger, you know, Yedinak played played a part, and you know what I mean. So he's, I think he, he is, and I think it's he, important that we. I think what we've done so far with these two teams is we've tried to, like, see, so you can't go back too far to the black and white days because they were all they were all British players. Yeah, but I think we've tried to kind of almost reflect as best we can the last twenty years with a bit of a yeah. bit of mix. because you've robbed. Some of my midfield options in Petrov and Louise, you're probably forcing a change of shape for me. Okay. So I'm probably going to have to resort to what was going to be a 4-3-3 is going to become an old school, school 4-4-2. What I'm going to do, this is the... It's a good job. I've got a good... I think my defence is quite solid. I think I've got yeah, yeah. defenders in there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah proper. This, this midfield's not going to do a great... not going to give them a lot of protection, to be honest, because... I'm actually going to play Diaby now on either flank. Can swap, mm-hmm. yeah. And we've got Hitzelsberger as one of my centre mids. I'm going to now go for another 
is an attacker, really, but I'm going to play him as a kind of wide midfielder, stroke winger. I'm going to put Benito Carboni. You forced me into this. I wasn't going to. Carboni was going to be on the bench, but he's uh, <laughs> he's he's forced his way in just because I I can't think off the top of my head of any really solid defensive midfielders that I would want to put in there with the, that don't play for nation that, that don't come from nations that we've already done. So yeah, Carboni. It was only a, a, a kind of short-lived love affair basically he wasn't there for very long again probably seduced a little bit by some of the the, the highlights you know with the the goal that he smashed in against Leeds down the halt end in the FA Cup he's, he's obviously the standout moment but I haven't really done much prep on Carbone because I wasn't expecting him to be in there so if we could move <laughs> on to your choice so we've both got one player each left now and you you went first so you should be finishing before me I must have had two in a row at some point for whatever reason so what positions left, left are then? You've got a central midfielder and I've got a striker. So unless you're playing a striker in central midfield, we're not going to pick the same player here. So I'll let you go first to to finish. I'm not sure when I f- first set out on this magical adventure. That Can I interrupt very quickly? Have you, have you had an Englishman yet? No, this is the this is the one. Okay, okay. So there's a lot of English players to pick from. So considering you've had a midfield shape change and this player wouldn't originally have been here, who's this going to be? I don't think people, people who know me, I don't think this will come as too much of a surprise, but my remaining English midfielder is going to be Jermaine Genus. No, it's not. <laughs> I was really torn between Sid Cowens and my all-time Villa favourite, David Platt. I still am, to be honest. I know I've got to, cho- I know I've got to choose one, but it's like if I'm after a, a midfielder, who mm. can actually midfield? Is that a verb? Who can actually midfield? It then it would probably be Cowens. But yeah, I've always banged on so much about Platt is my yeah, favorite yeah. favorite ever Villa player. Seems unthinkable for you to have an eleven built without David Platt in it. But that's, these are the, this is the game, isn't it? You, you've been this has been thrust upon you. I mean, are we going to get this game on? Are they going to actually play? Well, it's probably unlikely, isn't it? But if you know the, the comments will decide who has the better side, um, so I suppose you have got to think tactically. Would Platt in central midfield alongside Hitzelsberger work? Oh God, I'm really torn now. I think I'm going to go Cowens. You know, okay, two European Cup winners in your side. Can't you can't crumble yeah, with that. It gives yeah. We can have an extra extra star on our badge. Um, <laughs> what badge are you having? Whatever the badge is, yeah, we'll do that another. We'll do that in a different time, yeah. <laughs> At the end of the season, let's go with Cowens. He's Villa through and through. He's won the greatest prize. He's had three spells at Villa. Also gets overlooked when we do like a Premier League era one. He didn't play in the Premier League for us or might have done at the very end of his career, which doesn't count in terms of like when you sign the best Premier League players ever. If you played a handful of games in it, you wouldn't class that. So Sid Cowens very often gets overlooked in these kind of things. So I think that's a that's a fair shout, more than fair. Yeah, and like I said, I did, did get to see a bit of him. Not not too much. It was probably you know it was towards the the end of his end of his playing days, or certainly end of his Villa playing days when uh, when I got to see him uh, again. This is a soft spot, you know, because we we got to spend time with him, didn't we, Dan? And it was a, a kind of really yeah, lovely really love really lovely, warm, humble, humble fella. Considering what he's achieved and how he'll go down in history as a Villa great. I think I've got, if you were to name, I don't know, the top five Villa players of all time, or even arguably the top two, I think I've nabbed them both. Yeah, um, yeah you probably have. With, with McGraw and Cowan. So as much as I love Platt, I think another thing that convinced me is because 
I'm I'm on my own sometimes with with people who love Platt because a lot of people haven't forgiven him for, for kind of airbrushing Villa in out of out of his of his, of his CV. And I'm trying to kind of to win the vote. Do you know what I mean? I'm trying to. <laughs> probably shouldn't admit that. I've got one more pick, of course. So this is me replacing Musa Diaby early doors. Remember, like about an hour ago, when I said, "Oh, well, I don't think we'll disagree on any more players." I didn't think you go Louise, and I didn't think you go Diaby, and that's massively changed my side. So I've got two to pick from for strikers. Now, again, we've had a lot of good strikers play for Villa over over the history of the club, obviously, but a lot of them are English. And I've already picked those. Uh, Andy Gray is my Scotsman in there. So, you know, I could be giving shout-outs to people like, you know, someone like a Dion Dublin or an Ollie Watkins even, possibly being in there. Um, you've picked Dwight York. So it doesn't leave me with loads of kind of massive names left. Gabby, I suppose, even. He technically is our Premier League top goal scorer, like you mentioned earlier. But I don't think I'd have him in either, and I can't because he's an Englishman. So it's between two for me, and again, one I've seen, one I haven't. Juan Pablo, as, an, as a Colombian, possibly. Scored some great goals for us. And the other that I'm going to go with, who, again, probably crops up a few times. I don't know whether you could play with Andy Gray, Norwegian, and John Carew. It's how I will end my side. Comes from that era of that, that O'Neill side of, of uh, Ashley Young and Gabby and all those guys. And Carew, bigger, bigger than me and you, uh, is going to score a goal or two, hopefully against Matt Kendrick's eleven. Gets in there to, to end off my side. Could he play with Andy Gray, do you think? Or are they a bit too similar in terms of being big? Big forwards. I think they're both intelligent footballers, aren't they? <laughs> you know, yeah, who've you got? Who've you got supplying supplying the uh, the crosses for? Well, that's the thing. There wasn't very much width in this side, so <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a bit of an oversight for me. Right, I'll tell you what we'll do now. We'll take a very quick break to rearrange an order of how we see this as a formation, and we'll come back and share the full teams and eleven, and then we'll end the show. Right, we've had a look at the uh, 11 players and tried to put them into a proper formation. Yours is a 4-4-2. There will be a graphic on the YouTube version of this video, um, but obviously for those that are only listening. Matt, do you want to talk through that 11 and where they're playing? The Wizard of Boz, um, our Australian in goal, Mark Bosnich. We've got Welshman, Mark Delaney at right back. We've got a central pairing of Irishman and gift to the world, Paul McGrath. Uh, alongside European Cup winning Scots, Scotsman Ken McNaught at centre half, we've got Wilfred Baumer, our um, our Dutch maestro of a left back. Then across the midfield, a few adjustments made along the way, but I'm going to go with a, with a four with with a little bit of width with Diaby, Musa Diaby on the right representing France, uh, Benito Carboni on the left representing Italy. We've got um, Thomas Hitzelsberger who's one of the ones I stole off you um, with great glee, um, German uh, as a centre midfielder alongside Villa's greatest ever English player, Gordon Cowens. And then up front, we've got two real, two real fan favourites, I think, two, two real, very different centre forwards, but, but goal getters uh, and entertainers in Dwight York from Trinidad and Tobago and Belgium's Christian Benteke. I'll read my 11 then. It's a a 3-4-1-2 kind of, a, a three at the back diamond kind of thing. Oh, I don't know. You mentioned earlier about who's putting the crosses in for Andy Gray and John Carew and the answer is basically nobody. So this probably doesn't work. I've got Argentina's number one, Martinez in goal. Uh, back three of Sweden's Olaf Melberg, 
Denmark's Martin Larson and Welsh's Welsh's and Wales's James Chester. It's been a long recording session. In my midfield three, I've got current players Brazilian Douglas Luiz and Frenchman Bubakar Kamara playing alongside Stylian Petrov. Um, I'm hoping that that current connection of Luiz and Kamara can help the chemistry of this side. Uh, in front of those, I've got another player that they did play with, or Luiz at least, in Jack Grealish. And then a front two of Scotman, Scotsman Andy Gray and uh, Big John Carew, the Norwegian, as uh, my final pick. Not much width for those players to ping balls into the box and, and win headers, but I'm hopeful that, that side will work and maybe win the popular vote in terms of there's a lot of more current players in mind than yours <laughs> is kind of what I've gone for. Uh, what do you make of the two sides? I know you're going to be biased and say yours is better, but I think we've done a decent job there. Well, I thought we'd done a good job of that, but eagle-eyed viewers and listeners will have noticed that I only had 10 players in my team. So earlier when I thought I'd skip to go and I uh, must have picked two players in one go, I'd actually not picked a player at all. So I'm literally working this out on the fly as I've just done the graphic for this and realised that I'm not playing a 3-4-1-2, I'm playing a 3-3-3. So nobody picked the Spaniards, and I mentioned him earlier, in Alex Moreno. So I'm going to put Melberg over at right back instead of a back three, and Moreno in at left back, which is a bit of a cop-out to our current player who's only played about 15 games for us. But he's an exciting player and somebody that I've definitely rated. I'm actually editing this now just before it comes out, even though we filmed this two or three weeks ago. And I thought, oh, yeah, it's in the bag. It's done. We've picked two good 11s there. Um, but I've only picked 10 and Matt's picked 11. So a quick change. Moreno's in my side. I'll flash it up on screen again. Bear that in mind when you come to vote that uh, there isn't 10 players in mind. There is actually 11 and Moreno is in there as well. I've enjoyed doing that actually. And I, my, my finger's healed. My finger's stopped bleeding. Oh, good. So We've been recording uh, so long, yeah, your body's progress. healed itself. I think my team would win. I do think. I did I did feel it at one stage when you robbed me of a couple of midfielders. I thought, I'm going to be too attacking here, which I probably still, still am. But I think my defence is solid enough. And I think Sid's a good enough player to sit deep an anchor if he needs to. There's bound to be some really obvious, I know it's all, all about oh, yeah, yeah. some really obvious random countries that have only got one player but just so happen to be the best best Villa player in somebody's mind anyway. I'd be really interested to see in the comments what, what people make of all this. As Matt says, get involved in the comment section, go over to social media, share, share your best 11s with us as well. And of course, you can vote on whether my team was better or Matt's, I believe on YouTube we can do a proper poll, which if we can, it will be on screen now. If not, scroll down, leave a comment down below with Dan or Matt, uh, and hopefully if we do another one of these, we can see who came out on top.